is Sportsfeld Storytime. We are taking you back to 2016. If you can believe it. Listen, it was a good time. Doing these story times, these look backs, I'll tell you, the one, the one takeaway is, man, we had it good in 2015, 2016. We had, we had, it wasn't just that the Blue Jays were suddenly great. Like, we had some unreal times here in this city. And one of the things that was going on in the background, not in the background, the side ground, if you will, one of Toronto's uh, hidden gems, one uh, one of Toronto's newest fan bases, Toronto FC was really coming into their own after a bunch of years of being, you know, a, a team with a passionate fan base playing in a league that was sort of under the radar in this city. They really came alive. They became a championship level team and it all was spurred on by the moment we are looking back at this month. It is... Toronto FC versus the Montreal Impact. The first, I'll say this, Jake, the first truly great moment in Toronto FC history. How about that for a statement? Yeah, I th- I think there's probably more diehard TFC fans that might disagree, but I'm. it's definitely the first. I will say this. It's uh, We talk a lot in these story times about how I enjoy going back and rewatching major sports moments on YouTube a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is like a this is like a top five that we're doing. TFC has some like underrated great YouTube highlight moments. And this is one of them. Yeah, the 2006 MLS Cup Eastern Conference Finals. I can't wait to hand this in to our producers and have them be absolutely shocked that we are giving them a MLS Cup <laughs> Eastern Conference Final matchup with CONCACAF action. But this, this sort of to, to the point I was trying to make off the top there is this sort of takes TFC from this team. And listen, we're, we're going to get into the whole, our whole history with this team, but this team that, um, I mean, they choked late, late leads away was, was what they used to be known for. They were a team that was, you know, they weren't necessarily great, but the fans were really passionate. And that was like really their whole stake to the claim was the fan base. But this year, and getting past this Montreal team took them into that conversation with Toronto sports fans of like, you got to see this. You like, I, I am somebody I think is sort of the perfect litmus for this because I am not a diehard TFC fan. We will get into sort of my past with the team, but you couldn't miss the TFC Montreal 7-5 aggregate semifinal. On the note, I was just kind of saying about the YouTube highlights. It is, if you go back and you watch what we're talking about, this story time, a couple of things we may or may not talk about the story time or next story time. The crowds at these games are crazy. Like just the Montreal, like obviously what we're talking about this time within the rain, Montreal, a crazy moment. But the uh, one of the Montreal games, because uh, it's always Montreal, uh, we're going to talk about maybe next story time. Uh, equally crazy crowd reaction. I want to start it off. I want to start it off. We, we will get to the path to the 2016 playoffs. We will get to that. But I want to start it off um, talking about TFC sort of as a team in Toronto and as a team that really turned into a, a real juggernaut for MLSE. Uh, and, you know, when people were talking about that prime time when the Raptors became contenders and then became champions and the Maple Leafs uh, have become a consistent top performing team in the Eastern Conference. Toronto FC really did push their way into that conversation as as being one of MLSC's like big successes of that time. And uh, I'll take you back. I, you may not know this. You may not expect this from me as somebody who doesn't talk about it a lot. But from, from the, in the first five years, from 2007 to 2012, I was absolutely at 
several TFC games per year. I was I was at a bunch uh, in the first season. My friends who I worked with at Sportsnet at the time, 2007, I would have been 21, 22 years old, were day one and still are day one red patch boys. So I was in that section. I was uh, singing and dancing and doing the jumping and uh, speaking French and all that stuff from the beginning. So um, I remember my my third time going that year i had a plain red shirt and instead of buying a jersey <laughs> I, I drew uh brennan 11 on the back if you can believe that jake wow he's the captain i, I can't i actually this is all very surprising to me uh, i i was mm-hmm. playing i was playing pro evo soccer uh, around that time mm. on i want to say ps2 or ps probably ps3 and uh downloading like rosters so that you could put MLS teams in the game, building up MLS in a in a non-FIFA soccer video game. I was uh, I was very into it. I was very into the early days of TFC. Yeah, I was not. I as we've talked about, I'm sure if you've listened to our show before, you know that I'm sort of a later convert to being a soccer fan. Uh and even though I love it now, it certainly wasn't a thing I liked as a young person. And TFC for me was also sort of a victim of bad timing cuz like their first game was May 2007 and in September 2007 I left Toronto and moved to Montreal. So, and I certainly wasn't going to cheer or care about a Montreal soccer team. It's because I would never cheer for a Montreal team in anything. Uh so it was kind of bad timing in the sense that the first like 4 5 seasons of TFC's existence it wasn't even that I paid them no mind. I was literally not even in town. So it wasn't even something I'd be like, oh, I'll go check out a game and see how I feel. So I was a, I would say that I, I, I don't want to say that I'm a bandwagon TFC fan, but I would say that I became a TFC fan by being a bandwagon fan. I remember, I remember Mo Adu, the first, the first draft pick guy, uh, Aaron Vinter at, at one point as the, as the head coach. The, the Dickio goal was, was a huge deal. Buttle. Adu. Buttle. Dickio. Yeah. Minute 24. May 12th. Danny Dickio. Goal number one. Toronto. Bedlam in Canada. That's what you ask out of your number nine. You got to give a lot of credit to Edson Buttle. He does really well to stay with the play right here. It gets mixed up between Edu, full speed, and this is smart. He plays it back across the heart of the goal mouth. Dickio puts himself in a perfect position. Great definition, good finish. They may reconsider handing out seat cushions. They can act like projectiles. I, I, I remember the fans throwing seat covers onto the field. Man, what a time. Uh, Aleko Eskandarian, how about that? <laughs> wow, this is genuinely shocking to me. It was fun. It reminds me of some people, who, and I, I know a couple of our friends who are like this, who, who like got on board with the Wolfpack in the last couple of years. Mm. It was like, it was just super fun to go to games. It was super cheap. It was very easy to go. And like, we went, who, I can't remember who we saw. We Like, they would have... My roommate's family, my roommate Zach, uh, the family, uh, him and his dad had seasons, so we would we would go. We lived together at the time, so we we would go a couple times a year when he got the tickets. So I I I went to um, I want to say it was Aston Villa, maybe that they, that they had a they had a they had over in an exhibition 
um, would go to the Neutralite Canadian Championships a bunch. So I, I saw them play Montreal a couple times uh, when it was like early rivalry days. I went to the worst sporting event I've ever been to in my life was at BMO Field. I went to see, I went, I went and watched Canada soccer against, I believe it was Ecuador. And it, there was one attempt on goal the whole game. A <laughs> hundred minutes of standing and singing for a team that was not trying to play offense. <laughs> but, you know, as funny as it goes, and this wasn't a hipster thing, just sort of like just sort of the way things went and how my attentions rolled as the team sort of got more entrenched and it became a little harder to get tickets and it became a little harder to go and it became a little bit, you know, more popular. I sort of faded out because... And not that it wasn't a party atmosphere, but like it was tougher for me to get into the supporters section and mm. like cause ruckus. And like they were they were quite good. So it was like it was about them being a good team. So I would go to maybe maybe one game a year and then sort of haven't been uh, in quite some time. But I tell you, it is a lot of fun sort of being there at the birth of a team and and, and getting to see where they do go, which we'll get to uh, in eventual episodes it's sort of really cool to watch that entire thing much much like we talked about with, with the raptors right and and, and mm-hmm. seeing them quite, it was it was like that only sort of, it almost sort of felt like watching the league grow as well because and obviously this isn't the case because the mls has been around for a lot longer than toronto but to me as somebody who was just sort of paying attention to mls after toronto came in i really feel like toronto's success was an eye-opening thing for the MLS because shortly after came Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is they they had they had Toronto came in and the fan base was great, and then Seattle came in and the fan base was great, and then Portland came in and the fan base was great. I feel like all those things happened like one after the other. I feel like the sort of I don't want to say legitimacy because that's and it's still a professional sports league, but like there, if you watch old MLS footage, there's a lot of like gimmicks, mm-hmm. like they had like the run up penalty kicks kind of thing, and it was just I feel like there was a time, and I admittedly don't know exactly what it was, but by the time that I was paying attention to MLS, the league was entrenched as a legitimate North American soccer league, which like outside of sort of uh i guess how the playoffs operate is just the north american soccer league which is what it should be um yeah it, and i mean obviously beckham comes over as well uh yes great point a huge part of it but uh yeah um some fun sort of stuff before they get to the before they get to um you know where they're where they're going Tornston frings comes in uh danny cooverman's comes in and uh the the uh as i said Arn vinter was a coach who came in a, a, a german guy and i prepared me a dutch guy and then uh tim lie takes over uh in 2013 i'm if i am correct and that yes. sort of brings with it some major stuff lie if you don't know was sort of instrumental in bringing david beckham to the galaxy and he had said out loud he, he wanted to make tfc competitive with ambitious blockbuster signings that's when they sign uh tim bezbachenko 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 and with them comes justin morrow jackson gilberto michael bradley Dwayne de rosario and the big one january 10th 2014 tottenham hotspur agrees to a deal with the team for the transfer of england international striker jermaine defoe for six million quid 
His willingness to step very quickly to put pressure on the ball. He doesn't allow the Seattle Sounders midfielders to play. Here's Jermaine Defoe once again. Jermaine Defoe gets his second of the game. An incredible start for Jermaine Defoe in his tournament. <laughs> Uh, I believe, I could be wrong, but my memory of anything before like 2016 is pretty hazy. Uh, I believe that Defoe's first game at TFC was the first TFC game I went to. Wow. And I had a great time. That had, to, was, been, that had to have been madness. It was. It was great. And he scored twice, I think. He did he score scored twice. A, as someone who wasn't quite into soccer yet at that time in 2014, it was impossible to not get caught up in it. Like TFC games are, to your point about going... Trophy games are, I, w- I would say they're the best environment in the city to watch a game. Not saying it's the best, it's necessarily a better like crowd than like a Raptors crowd or a playoff Blue Jays crowd, but with BMO, which is an amazing building, and it's the only like true outdoor stadium in the city, it really, if not counting like Lamport, it is like really a unique and wonderful way to spend an afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it's it was impossible not to get caught up in it. And like since then, it was like, yeah, TFC is just one of the teams I support. And they've been very good, uh, basically since then. I mean, listen, the Defoe thing ends up not being great, but they all uh, for, forgotten. They also bring uh, Julio Cesar, Brazilian national team goaltender, in on loan from Queens Park Rangers, which is crazy. And I remember at the time, like I literally couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, they have the <laughs> Brazil goalie. Not again. You don't need to follow soccer very well. Someone tells you, hey. They hired. They have the goalie from Brazil's national team on there. You'd be like, "Holy shit!" Right? That's you don't need to be too in knowledge uh, to find that uh, incredible. They would have a decent start to the year, but after the World Cup break, they sort of fall off. And on August thirtieth, Bez, uh, pardon me, no, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Nelson. Bez is the uh, general manager, not the coach. So he fires the coach in January, and they bring in. Greg Vanny. And that is where the next step begins because they make a signing, Jake. They make a move. In May 2015, they bring aboard Sebastian Giovinco. And as we said a lot at the time, Jake, nothing was the same. <laughs> what happens when you bring in uh, a real short, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, a, a real not a short. Fake, not a fake short. Uh, we are going to get in to what it was like for them to add Giovinco, what it was like to watch them become a championship-level team, and the road to the playoffs in that incredible 2015-2016 season next week on the next episode of Sports Sportsfeld Storytime. Time.